Well, greetings from myself, and thank you so much to our musicians and you guys there at the desk for making this all possible. We are indeed grateful for the Lord and His servants for making our services possible in these challenging times. Let's open briefly in prayer. O oh Lord our God, as we come into your most awesome presence, how we want to thank you that you have not left us in darkness, but you have spoken and given us your precious word. And as we look into it this morning, would you open the eyes of our heart to see wonderful things we pray, all for your glory alone. Amen. 2020, wow, what a unique year. I'm sure many of you are kind of overhearing and talking about 2020 and COVID-19. Real and concerning as it is and has been and probably will continue to be. So we won't go there. We won't be like uh, Lot's wife and uh, look back and turn into a pillar of salt. So how are you looking forward to 2020? 2021, I mean, still used to 2020. <laughs> is it with excitement? God is with us, building His church, making us more like Jesus, whatever the circumstances. Or is it perhaps apprehension? How will my work, church life, the economy, my health go? So many unknowns. Maybe a bit of both. Paul, after all, said, I am sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. I'm sure that if we could somehow share with one another, brothers and sisters, and capture everybody's thoughts and emotions together, um, we would have a whole variety of thoughts and concerns and feelings and hopes and fears and dreams that we could capture among us this morning. But what is really awesome for the Christian believer, brothers and sisters, is that God is willing and able to help us survive and thrive in such times. We must never forget that God has been faithful to His people since time began. And that's not about to change. Despite the many unknowns. He is our rock, our fortress, our refuge and strong tower. And this is why the child of God is described in Psalm 112 verse 7 as not being afraid of bad news his heart is firm trusting in the Lord if this is how we should be HBC as members how can we achieve this how can we exhort and encourage and comfort and challenge one another for 2021 well we can be assured hopeful and without fear because God has shown us in his word just how to do that. So please out there as you gather in your lounges before various screens 
turn with me to Philippians 3. We're going to start at verse 7 just to get context. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press forward towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. God willing, we will mine this awesome passage. Some have described it as the most comprehensive passage about the Christian life in Scripture. We will mine the jewels of this passage through three shafts, three F's, that will bring to us the firm heart that is not fearing bad news. Three F's, forgetting, focus, and fuel. So let's dive straight in with forgetting. In verse 13, forgetting what lies behind. What does Paul mean by this? Is he saying everything in the past doesn't matter anymore? You can't change it, so why go there? Uh, so let's just push the delete button on 2020. Is that what he means? Some motivational speakers and popular psychology would certainly agree. And there's, there's some sense, I guess, in that. But didn't our Lord introduce the sacrament of the Lord's Supper to look back and remember and not forget? And Paul and all the other New Testament writers most certainly often point us back to the past so that we can learn from it. We must learn from the past. God gave us 2020 so that we could learn more about ourselves and him so what does Paul mean then well in the context if you were to go to verses 1 to 6 of our chapter we won't look at it now but you can look at it afterwards Paul is referring to forgetting 
a preoccupation he had in the past with his own efforts. As a zealous Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, he proudly saw himself as blameless in his religious efforts. He is saying, I am forgetting about a sinful life where I myself was at the core and center. Paul is in effect saying what he said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5.15. He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Dear brothers and sisters, before you were born again, you were living for yourself, your own needs, your own glory. But when you were converted, you were transformed from being a slave to self to being a slave to Jesus Christ. You were Lord of your life. Now Jesus is Lord of your life. Unfortunately, I'm sure you would agree with me that when you look into your own heart, you will see that deeply ingrained there, we still have that me, 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 my, my needs spirit there in our deeply ingrained in our hearts. And it is so encouraged in the world around us and in our age more than ever before. Brothers and sisters, we need to wake up. We live in a time when there is a cultural revolution in the West. Western democracies have enshrined or used to or did enshrine in their very foundations the respect and dignity for others. That's gone. My own needs trumps all others' needs now. Voltaire laid that foundation in many ways when he said, I disagree with what you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. That's no longer the case. Dramatic change in just a few years. Minority groups are aggressively asserting their rights in court. Instead of LGBTQ and pro-choice abortionists respecting Christian beliefs and seeking readily available alternative service providers, they target believers and take them to court for being faithful to biblical beliefs. These minority groups demand toleration, but have no toleration for others. And sadly, Hollywood schools, universities, the media, even churches and judges are supporting this moral revolution. And that's the world around us, more and more. All about me, myself, I. Everything in our society screams, feel good about yourself. Don't even think of doing or saying something that may hurt my feelings. 
And you must have cool presence on social media and cool looks and wear cool fashion and cool cosmetics and cool tattoos and a cool phone and car and home. And it's the end of the world if someone blocks you or friends you and you don't get enough likes on Facebook. As John Calvin said, the heart of man is a perpetual factory of idols. Is it any different in the church, brothers and sisters? If a church and its people are not cool enough or don't meet my needs, don't we see folks just moving on until they find cool people like them? I want my way, whether it's wearing a mask or not wearing a mask, or signing the COVID register or not, or singing hymns I like or don't like, or sermon styles and personalities I like or don't like, this me, me, me spirit of our age has certainly infiltrated the church. And it should grieve our hearts. Make much of me is the spirit of our age. And Paul is saying, I am forgetting that mindset. I am putting it behind me. It has no place in the heart of a child of God. We should not be squeezed into this world's mold. Paul is saying, I do not go there. In fact, if you rewind up to verse 8, Paul calls this mindset and its achievements a pile of dung. That's what the Greek actually means. What the world wants now stinks to me is what Paul is saying brothers and sisters let's shine a light into our own hearts where do we see remaining elements of me 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 I want I want I want in our own lives what would those close to us and who know us well say about this spirit in you and in me? The challenge for us in 2021, brothers and sisters at HBC, is to forget living for ourselves. To cry to God for grace, to recognize it whenever it raises its ugly head, and to repent, to see it as dung, and turn away in disgust, forgetting what lies behind. Secondly, focus. After the F of forgetting, we now move to focus. What has replaced Paul's preoccupation with his own efforts in his life now as a Christian believer? Well, the answer lies in verse 13. Look at it with me. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. One thing speaks of a laser type focus, does it not? What is this one thing that preoccupies Paul? And he strains towards it like an athlete focused on the finishing line. 
Well, it's knowing Christ, becoming more and more like Him until glory. Look at 1 verse 21. This is how Paul opened the book of Philippians in the first chapter where he made that wonderful and all-encompassing statement, for me to live Christ. For me to live is now Christ. Look at 3 verse 8 in our passage. I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as dung, rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ. Verse 10, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection and share in his sufferings, becoming like him. Here is the laser focus of Paul replacing making much of me with making much of Christ. You may be thinking, Paul, when I read your life, I don't see one thing. I see a hive of activity, thousands of miles of travel by foot and sea, preaching, teaching, debating, discipling, being jailed, being imprisoned, being stoned, being downloaded in a basket out of a, out of a city, handling issues in many churches, praying fervently. Well, someone has said that all this was Paul doing one thing in a thousand different ways. Behind all of this, was a passionate love and commitment to his Savior. This was now the core of his life. Once again, that light into our own hearts, HBC. To what extent is this a description of you and me? Is your identity, stop and think about this, is who you see yourself completely and utterly founded on Jesus? Your relationship with Him comes first. He drives all your decisions. You long to be like Him and obey Him no matter what people say. Before, what people thought of you whether they liked you or not, was paramount. Now you fear Him and love Him more than anything else, even more than His wonderful gifts, like ministry, family, friends, career, leisure, holidays, nice houses and things, all legitimate in their place, but never dulling priority affection for me to live Christ. Maybe you're thinking, please, this is a bit over the top. This is radical. After all, we're talking an apostle here. He wrote most of the New Testament. Surely an ordinary new believer or old believer or young or old believer like me we can't be expected to be like this. I'm just some of a member at Hillcrest Baptist Church. I'm only human. 
you're talking about the A-class of spiritual believers. Well, folks, it's almost as if Paul knew people would begin thinking like that. Because if you read down after this passage, look at verse 17. And remember, this is written to the whole church at Philippi. Old, young, children, mature, immature, everybody would hear this letter. Paul, after saying these, these things, says in verse 17, Join in imitating me. Be like this, in other words. Keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. And notice also he then goes on to say with tears that those whose preoccupation is on earthly things, those who are not focused on Christ alone, are enemies of the cross and their end is destruction. Brothers and sisters, this forgetting self and being preoccupied with knowing Jesus, becoming like Him, that's Christianity. It's 101. This is no A-class. There is either evidence of this in your life and mine, or we have to ask ourselves, are we truly born again? Or are we those who are enemies of the cross, sitting in church, but our end is destruction because we're not following this example? If you remain complacent, easygoing, with limited signs of passionate and disciplined, straining forward to be like Jesus, limited regular prayer, Limited appetite for the Word of God. Casual with sin. Limited joy and anticipation to be with God's people. Limited desire to serve in the church. Dear friends, if this is you, do you belong to Jesus? As we go into this year, you must ask yourself that. It's vital. So, HBC, let's commit to examining ourselves here at the beginning of 2021 to see to what extent this one thing, Jesus, is our life. This brings us to the third F, fuel. We need to rebuild in 2021 by replacing a focus on ourselves with an intense focus and pursuit of our Savior right in the middle of confusing trials but how can we do this what drove Paul to be like this what will help us to be like this what is the fuel well there are three rocket engines in our passage which fueled Paul's focus. And I'm sure that we can, in 2021, commit to do what I'm sure Paul did. Preach these three unchanging truths to ourselves every day, no matter what the circumstances. 
Let's commit in the morning. I've already been trying, having been involved in the sermon, to open my eyes in the morning and remind myself of these three things. The first one, seized by Jesus. Look at 3 verse 12. I press on to make it my own. And notice the joining word here. Because, that's the fuel. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. The ESV here, brothers and sisters, is a tad weak. Most reputable versions uh, use lay hold of that which Christ laid hold of me. Greek word means seized, apprehend. One can picture a parent rushing after a child as they move towards a dangerous street and grabbing them and seizing them and saying, what are you doing? Don't, can't you see it's dangerous there? That's what happened to you and me, dear friend. That's what Paul is remembering, his dramatic experience on the road to Damascus, rushing headlong with selfish pride and anger to murder Christians, destroy the church. And God seized him, laid hold of him, dramatically turned him around for a purpose. Not just to save him from hell, but for him to spend the rest of his life loving and serving this wonderful Savior and becoming more and more like him. Well, maybe your conversion was not as dramatic. But if you are a Christian, Christ laid hold of you turned you around in 2021 never forget that never forget it please do not catch the awful disease or virus of identity amnesia forgetting who you are he laid hold of you you are not your own. You were bought with a very costly price. Paul knew that. Wake up every morning and tell yourself that, that it may be fuel for holy living. Secondly, we see in a, another tank of fuel, another rocket engine to drive the spirit in us, in verse 12, holy dissatisfaction holy dissatisfaction not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect but I press on brothers I do not consider that I have made it my own we are talking here about comparing who we are with what God requires Paul perpetually feels and reminds himself of that gap. Despite being the most holy believer probably ever to have walked this earth, here is Paul towards the end of his life, so he's a mature believer, telling the very church he founded, they're all looking up to him, 
that he's not arrived. From previously being proud of his religious perfection, he is now perpetually poor in spirit, keenly aware of his sin and the need for daily grace. Are you like this? Does this sense of a gap discourage Paul? Or the fact that he knows he's ahead of most believers, his gap is probably a lot narrower than, than many others. Does that make him complacent? I can relax a bit. I've grown a lot more than many. No. The gap drives him to strain forward. When he falls, he gets up and presses on. When he succeeds, he's not satisfied. It's not good enough. He strains forward like an athlete. More and more, better times, better times towards the perfection of Christ. Dear brothers and sisters, 2021, let's wake up in the morning, remind ourselves we've been taken hold of by Christ, and secondly, that we aim to be like Him, perfect, aim high. Lord, give me a holy dissatisfaction today, please. And then the third engine, the prize. Thank you, Seb, for the songs we sang that fitted so beautifully with this. Look at verse 14. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Much like the athlete who strenuously strives in training for the reward at the end of the race, Paul is straining forward to that day when he will see his Savior. When he knows him now, but he wants to know him fully and perfectly then. He wants to hear those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servant. He wants to be free of striving and tears and suffering, which he is feeling, Paul. He's in jail. He's just experienced trials that turn ours into minute little ants compared to an elephant. That's Paul. And that's why he's looking forward to that glorious day. May I ask, just off the top of your head, if I were to ask you right now, what do you look forward to most? What do you look forward to most? Is it perhaps lesser goals like your next holiday? Some of you are looking forward to the next payday. Your birthday, next episode of your favorite series, visit of a loved one, getting engaged or married, your next big purchase, or the end of COVID. It's good to look forward to and be grateful for many good gifts from God in this world. But 
overall, this, all this stuff, all the things we look forward to are temporary and passing. Whereas what Paul is looking forward to, the prize, is eternal. It's unfading. It can't disappear. It's definite. It's forever. Do you have this anticipation of that glorious day dear brother and sister try to cultivate it this year and so we have seen three spurs in our sides to assist in helping us deny ourselves and focus on Jesus may I close with an illustration and uh, kindly, we've got some pictures here. Has anyone heard of the Miracle Mile? Probably many of you are too young. This was the mile run at the Commonwealth Games in Vancouver in 1954. 1954. There was huge hype leading up to this race, uh, well, to, this, to these games, mainly because of the mile and mainly because of two athletes that were going to compete in this mile. Who do you think they were? Well, the one was the Englishman, Roger Bannister, who earlier that year was the first in the world to break the four-minute mile. The second athlete was John Landy, the Australian, the guy from the penal colony, who only 46 days after Bannister broke that record and broke the four-minute mile, improved and broke it by more. So it was a very short-lived record for Bannister. Now here, these two are going to meet in this race. Landy knew Bannister had the faster finish and so had planned to break away in the third of four laps and open up a gap that Landy could not close. Meanwhile, Bannister afterwards shared he had planned to ease off in the third lap to build energy for his fast finish. So when Landy disappeared and sped up on the third lap, Bannister had to change his tactic and stay with him. And so he did. For two laps, Bannister stayed just behind Landy. And then as they rounded the last corner, and there's a picture of what happened. The roar of the crowd was so loud. The roar of the crowd was so loud that Landy could no longer hear Bannister's footfall just behind him. And what did he do? You can see it in the picture. He lost focus. He looked around to see where Landy was. And this picture captures the moment when Landy took advantage of that. His stride was broken, his focus was lost, and Landy passed him and went on to win the prize, to win the race. Shortly afterwards, uh, to commemorate this amazing event, uh, 
a statue was made and put up outside the stadium in Vancouver. And there's the statue. You can see the picture, uh, which duplicates the photograph which you saw. And um, they, they became close friends and remained friends. And in this final picture, you can see them at this statue as elderly gentlemen. And uh, Landy made the comment, Lot was turned into salt for looking back. I must be the first person turned into bronze for doing the same. And so, dear HBC family, as 2021 is before us, with all its unknowns, may God enable us as a people to have hearts that are firm because we forget about our own selfish agendas. We do not look back. Rather, we focus with intense passion on being like Jesus. Fueled by telling ourselves three certain truths. I have been seized by Christ. I'm not my own. I'm way short of where I should be. And certain victory and glory awaits me. May God enable us. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we are humbled and challenged when we are exhorted to look to the example of the great Apostle Paul. But Lord, we have been told to follow that example. We have your Spirit. We have your Word to guide us. Oh Lord, keep us from complacency. Would you fire us up with renewed zeal, vigor, focus, discipline to love our Savior more and more this year, to serve Him more and more closely, to be devoted to Him in prayer and His Word more and more regularly that he may receive the glory due to his name. For Jesus' sake, amen.